The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. But plain and simple, you should actually be in labor to be admitted. Johns Hopkins Medicine defines labor as a series of continuous progressive contractions of the uterus that help the cervix dilate and efface, aka thin out. And cervical exams are key, okay? And there are three important things that we check when we're doing a cervical exam. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Are you wondering how to get admitted to labor and delivery? You are certainly not alone. Actually, the funny thing about labor is that most pregnant women, especially first-time mamas, frequently ask themselves the question, am I even in labor? Is this labor? Is this not labor? I don't know. It's one of my most commonly asked questions when I do story questions. You know, you guys are like, how do I even know that this is real? Usually my answer, nine out of 10 times, is if you're questioning whether you're in labor, you're probably not in labor. It's nine out of 10, obviously. Some people do truly question and they are really, really in labor and then it really hits, right? But nine out of 10 times, if you're still questioning it, you're probably not in labor or you're in very, very early labor. But once you are in labor, you're not really questioning it anymore. <laughs> you're, you're like, okay, I am in labor and whatever I was feeling before was just something else. But this is labor, I'm sure. So inside this episode, I'm going to go over specific labor admission criteria, things that might keep you from being admitted, what happens once you are officially admitted to labor and delivery, and explore other reasons you might be admitted to the hospital during pregnancy. After this episode, I do recommend checking out episode 103, where I teach about 10 things you can do to prep for labor. But for now, are you ready to learn? I'm ready to teach. <laughs> so let's do it. What happens when you arrive at labor and delivery and you think you are in labor? Let's talk about it. So most of the time, your OB practice uh, has an on-call provider that you can call. You can say, hey, um, I think I'm in labor. What should I do? And then they usually say, well, what's going on? They'll assess you uh, over the phone, ask you a few questions. But most likely, if that's your complaint, they say, hey, head on up to labor and delivery. But if you can't get in touch with them, or maybe it feels urgent, or your gut is just saying, this is labor, I just know I just need to go, then go. Don't hesitate to head right into labor and delivery. That is what we're here for. We're open 24-7. People have babies at all times of the day. 
Now, if your labor symptoms do happen to begin while your OB office is open, uh, when you call that line, they might tell you, hey, you know what? Don't go to the hospital unless you're like, I'm feeling ahead. (laughs) You know, they might say if you're saying I've been in labor for a few hours or I think my water's broken, the OB office is open. They might say, "Okay, swing by the office. Let's check in the office and then we'll kind of go from there. This is not always the case. Sometimes the OB office is also just, you know, they're really busy. They are over flooded with appointments and they say, okay, just go ahead and go to the hospital. The on-call provider will see you there. But I just wanted to include that just just in case that happens, because that is a, a step that usually would happen if you happen to go into labor, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five, right? But assuming that you call and they say head to labor delivery, or maybe you are at your OB office and you get checked and they're like, oh, you're six centimeters or, oh yeah, your water's broken. Uh, And then they say head to the hospital. Let's talk about what that process is like once you get there. So you arrive at L&D and believe it or not, we frequently see moms that just think they're in labor. They're not, you know, they're not really sure. And it can be really hard, especially if it's your first baby, to know if this is labor or not. Personal story, uh, first time definitely had a hard time determining if I was in labor or not. I definitely had some instances towards the end of my pregnancy where I was like, oh, I'm having contractions. They are somewhat regular. Um, They are painful. And is this the start of something? I don't know. And then guess what? With my second one, I had an instance where... I thought my water broke. I really did, but I wasn't sure. And guess what? It didn't. Um, I went in. They were like, nope, your water didn't break. That was just some, some discharge. I'm telling you, I mean, I'm a nurse, labor and delivery nurse, and I'm still, you know, I'm questioning. So I'm with you guys. Like, it can be hard, especially at the end. Now, if you have been evaluated in the office and it has been determined that you are in labor or your water has broken, you are going to just bypass that triage process, okay, that we're, you know, we're about to talk about uh, and just be what we called a direct admit. That means you just show up, you go to your room immediately because we already know what's going on. But if this isn't the case and we got to kind of assess you and see what's going on, your first stop is going to be in triage or we call it the OBED, the OB emergency department. It's like a little mini, mini emergency department for pregnant ladies. And so during this triage process, four main things are going to happen. Okay. Number one, we're going to get your medical history. This includes your prenatal records, right? We're going to go over all of that stuff with you, your medical history, your surgical history, any pertinent family medical history, so on and so forth. If you have your prenatal records, uh, this is going to be a pretty quick process. We're just kind of checking boxes. We're not going to be truly interviewing you again, and asking all of these questions that they've already asked you at your prenatal appointments. We're just going to say, okay, your mom had high blood pressure. Okay, yeah. Just kind of cross-checking, right? If you don't have prenatal records, which side note, you don't have to bring your own prenatal records. If the practice that you are with delivers at the hospital, uh, we have access to your prenatal records. It's just a matter of, of just getting them. So don't feel like you have to like scramble and get a whole copy of your prenatal records. So number one, like I said, is medical history. Number two, you're going to get your vital signs, blood pressure, temperature, heart rate, respiratory rate, pain level, right? Number three, we are going to monitor your baby's heart rate and your contractions. So we're going to put you on that fatal monitor. Two, external monitors. 
okay, placed on your belly. If you've had an NST before, this is basically the same exact thing. One of those monitors, we check baby's heart rate. One of those monitors is to check contractions. Typically, we leave those monitors in place for 20 to 30 minutes while we're kind of talking to you. This is, you know, all this goes on at the same time. And then after 20 or 30 minutes, if all is well, we can remove them. And if we see anything concerning, uh, we keep them on you for a little bit longer until all is well or until there's a true emergency. And then, you know, obviously we go from there. And then number four, cervical check, if indicated, right? If you're coming in, you're saying, I'm in labor, we would have to do a cervical check to admit to labor and delivery because you'd be surprised. Some people come in and they look like they are in rip, roar, and labor, right? Uh, but then we check them and they're only one centimeter and they're like, oh, okay. And it's like, ah, I wish I could admit you because I know you're in a lot of pain, but it just, you're only one centimeter. I'm so sorry. And vice versa, some people, the opposite. They come in, they're like, yeah, I've been laboring for a while. And then you check them, they're like seven or eight centimeters. And you're like, damn girl, okay. So cervical check, you need at least one to get admitted to labor and delivery. Sometimes it's me as the nurse, okay, if the provider's really, really busy. Usually it's going to be the provider though. And based on all of this information that we gather, okay, then we make a decision. Often the decision is simply just admission or discharge, but Sometimes we want to do additional monitoring or additional testing. And then sometimes if you're only three centimeters, sometimes even four, you know, they're like, let's wait a little bit. They'll say, let's have you walk around for a little while, wait an hour, wait two hours, and then we can reassess you. Okay, so what are we actually looking for? I touched on it a little bit, but it is a loaded question, okay? I wish I could say if you are four centimeters dilated, if your baby has an NST that looks good or not so good, there's a lot of factors at play. But plain and simple, you should actually be in labor to be admitted. Johns Hopkins Medicine defines labor as a series of continuous progressive contractions of the uterus that help the cervix dilate and efface, aka thin out. And cervical exams are key, okay? And there are three important things that we check when we're doing a cervical exam. Dilation, which is how open the cervix gets. Uh, Effacement, which is how thin it gets. And then station, which is where baby's head is in your pelvis in relation to your pelvis. And some providers do feel very strongly about, you know, a certain number of centimeters, okay, before they can admit them. Some providers don't, but some providers do kind of have that hard and fast rule. Are feelings of anxiety and what-ifs filling your head when you think about giving birth? I'm sorry if that's the case. Take a deep breath, grab my hand, and join me for a totally free class to start gaining the confidence that you deserve. Gain instant access to my free on-demand workshop, Three Secrets to an Even Better Birth at mommylibernurse.com slash birth workshop. Inside of this 45-minute go at your pace video class, you'll discover the three elements of birth preparation that pack the most punch. You'll learn strategies that you can use in preparation for birth and during labor. 
and you'll walk away with tons of actionable tips that you and your partner can start practicing right away. And guess what? There's so much more. <laughs> so sign up for free right now at mommylabornurse.com slash birth workshop. That's mommylabornurse.com slash birth workshop. Can't wait to see you in there. Now, what might happen? You might be in early labor. And early labor typically means, typically means that you are having painful, regular contractions, but you aren't quite at that threshold yet, according to your provider, you know, whatever his or her criteria is, whatever number, you know, whatever. And I do say typically, okay, because I have actually seen patients come to the hospital and sit at four centimeters, five centimeters, even six centimeters dilated, and then they get discharged. They're not really, they're not really truly in labor. And while this particular scenario isn't common, okay, usually if you're four to six centimeters dilated and you're having painful regular contractions, you'll get admitted nine times out of 10. But sometimes you come in and we check your cervix and you're four centimeters dilated, but you're like, mm, they're kind of far apart. And you're like, I mean, I think I'm in labor, but I'm not really sure. And we talk to you and you're like, uh, let me just walk around for a little bit, see if I change my cervix. And then we check you again. You're still four centimeters dilated and your contractions have kind of piddled out. And you go home, you're four centimeters. Whereas the room you know, across the hall, she came in, she would be four centimeters. This is all hypothetical, right? I'm not talking about a certain patient, but let's say another patient is like four centimeters dilated and same situation. She's having painful, regular contractions, but she's like, okay, these are hurting. These are progressively getting more painful. And I'm pretty sure I'm in labor. We would probably admit you, you know, right then and there. But yes, going back to what might actually happen, you might be in early labor and early labor can truly last for hours, even days for some women. We've talked about prodromal labor before and how crappy it is. So as long as everything checks out, you know, everything else is okay, your baby's okay. If you are in early labor, you're probably going to get sent home. If not, if you're in active labor, then you get sent the other way. <laughs> you get admitted. Now, let's talk about when you should head to the hospital because that's a big one, right? Putting aside any complications, right? As a first-time mom, you actually shouldn't head to your place of delivery until your contractions are painful. They're regular, three to four minutes apart, okay? Lasting at least one minute for at least one hour, and they aren't stopping. True labor contractions are regular, they increase in intensity, and they don't stop with any sort of relief efforts, okay? Emptying your bladder, if you're drinking a lot of water, changing your position, changing your activity level, that sort of thing. They just keep getting worse and worse. So I give that advice as like a rough kind of advice, right? The 411, as you'd say, for three to four minutes apart, lasting for at least an hour, at least one minute apart. But I wanna say there's a big but the main thing, and I talk about this in the birth classes too, is the main thing we want to check out when we're asking ourselves if we should be heading into the hospital is how bad are these contractions hurting me? And really, what is my gut telling me? If I am writhing in pain and I'm like, I am absolutely sure I'm in labor, but it's only been 45 minutes and these are not quite lasting a minute, but oh my God, it's time to head to the hospital. You forego the 411. On the contrary, if you're having contractions about four minutes-ish, okay, 
they're lasting at least a minute and it's been at least an hour, but you're still like, okay, I'm at the 411, but what's my pain level? I'm like, okay, like I'm still being, you know, I'm still tolerating them. I can still talk through them. You're probably very much still in early labor. So I give that 411 as a very loose guide. Okay. Now, big one. What if your water breaks? That's a whole other thing, right? We've talked about dilation. That's how that's like a little bit vague in terms of the criteria of getting admitted. But when your water breaks, it's more of a cut and dry. Okay. Your water either broke or or it didn't break. And if it's confirmed that it broke, you get admitted. Now, your gestational age and whether you are having true labor contractions uh, or not will guide your plan of care in terms of whether your water broke, right? But breaking your water is pretty much guaranteed admission. If your water breaks, here's what we probably will do in office or at labor and delivery. First, we probably do a little speculum exam. We want to check for the presence of something called pooling. And that means that when we look inside of your vagina, we see that liquid and it it's like a little pool. You know, it's pooling kind of at the bottom of the speculum. The provider would then take a little sample of it and look at it underneath the microscope. And he or she would look for something called ferning. Okay, and that's a certain pattern. It looks like ferns when you look underneath the microscope. He'd also probably do a little nitrazine test, it's like a little pH paper, and that turns a certain color. And that turns blue if it is amniotic fluid. It also turns blue in the presence of a lot of other bodily fluids. So that's just like one of the tests they would use. And then your provider also might do an ultrasound to check your fluid levels because your fluid levels would naturally be lower if your water breaks. So with all of that information, everything's checking off, check, 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 check. Okay, your water's broken. Let's send you to labor and delivery. On the contrary, too, if you come in and you're like gushing on the floor, we call that grossly ruptured. It's not because it's gross, (laughs) like you yucky, like disgusting gross. Um, Gross can also, as we know, mean like big, right? So you're grossly ruptured. That means just there's a large amount of fluid coming out of you. Uh, We wouldn't do any of these tests. Your provider might still do an ultrasound to check your fluid levels, but we don't have to do a speculum. We don't have to, there's a show question. Your water broke. We can see it. It's all over the floor. So bottom line, those are the two biggies when it comes to being admitted for labor. Water's broken, or you're in active labor, which is roughly four to seven-ish centimeters. Though there are certainly other things that should be considered, including how your baby looks on the monitor, your vital signs. What if you come in, your blood pressure is like crazy, crazy high, right? We want to admit you if something else is going on or any other potential complications. Like you come in, you're bleeding a whole lot, something like that. So that's going to get you admitted. Now, when would you be sent home? If you're not in labor, right, we're going to send you home, plain and simple. And again, there's more to it than just a number, but dilation is a big component. And along the same lines, if you are like, I think my water broke, but I'm not really sure. And we determine that your water hasn't broken, then we would send you home as well. Now, what should you do if you're sent home from the hospital? I know sometimes it is like, a womp womp. <laughs> really? I'm not in labor yet. Okay. But rest assured, I have some tips to help your labor progress should you find yourself in this situation. And I'm giving this advice with a big but as well. 
if you have been in labor forever and it is like three in the morning and you're just exhausted, go home and sleep and rest, okay? And get as much rest as you possibly can because your labor is gonna speed up when it wants to speed up. But if you're itching, if you're like, you know what, I got some energy, I wanna keep this process going, you can do some of these things. So number one, movement. You can bounce on a birth ball, you can go for a walk, do some squats, do other types of, you know, safe, pregnancy safe exercises. And obviously there's a lot of benefits to movement during labor, right? For progression. And movement also allows gravity to work in your favor, right? When you're up and moving, your baby's head puts more pressure on that cervix and that can help you dilate and efface a little bit faster. Another thing you can do is something called the mile circuit. This is something that I did right before I went into labor with Ryland. It worked. (laughs) Uh, It is this three-step sequence. We'll link it in the show notes if you want to check it out. And it's designed to get that baby into a nice optimal position for labor and birth. Because sometimes what happens if you're having something called prodromal labor, which I've referenced before, but that's basically labor, early labor that's lasting forever. And it's not really making your cervix dilate, but it's a pain in the butt. It still hurts. It still feels like early labor or even active labor, but it's just not changing your cervix. Nine times out of 10, prodromal labor is due to baby being in a not so optimal position. So the mild circuit can get that baby to kind of rotate a little bit and sit on that cervix a little bit more optimally. Optimally, that's a word. Yes, that's a word. Uh, Get that baby on there a little better, okay? And sometimes that can get a stalled labor. Let's say you're, you know, seven or eight centimeters dilated and then you stall. Mild circuit, I've seen it work in that circumstance. Or if you're in prodromal labor, get that labor to really kickstart. All right, the sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This one says, Liesl, I just wanted to thank you so very much for your natural series course. I took this course during the last trimester of my pregnancy and I gave birth to our first rainbow baby, all completely unmedicated last Sunday. It was because of this course that I was able to stay focused and manage the pain even when it's significantly intensified. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and care with all of us. You are one amazing human. You guys are so nice to me. I just, it warms my heart. Every single one of these Birth It Up babies, I love them. I love them so much. So keep them coming. I love reading them. And I know I've said this before on podcasts, but I have this nice little album in, you know, I have an iPhone. It's a nice little album of all of your Birth It Up babies that we just keep. And we all have access to it. Every member of the Mommy Labor Nurse team. And I just sit there sometimes and go through them and just read your messages because I'm so grateful for you guys and it's great. I love birth and I love you and this is so great and I'm so glad that I can help. (laughs) If you want to have an even better birth, just like this mama, head on over to mommylibernurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. Number three, sex. Yeah. If you have somebody to have sex with, or I guess you could have sex with yourself. I mean, hey, (laughs) but sex can trigger your uterus to contract. Yeah. And if you have a male partner, semen is a natural source of prostaglandins, which are these hormone-like substances that are responsible for helping your cervix to efface and dilate. And while you're at it, while you're in the, the session, uh, 
stimulate those nipples. Yeah, nipple stimulation also releases oxytocin, which is that same chemical that is responsible for causing your contractions. One word of warning though, avoid having sex if you think your water has broken or if you suspect that your water has broken because, you know, we can increase that risk for infection. We we don't really want to do that. But if you're in the mood to have sex, you know, if you're contracting, you're hurting, you're like, "Mm," and you're not in the mood, don't, you don't have to force yourself, right? But if you're like, if it's going to help, okay, hey, yeah, have sex. Now, how do you minimize potential uh, false strips to labor and delivery? You might have wondered at some point, how can I make sure, you know, I won't be sent home from labor and delivery? I want to get there and I want to just be in labor and just go. (laughs) And of course, the best way to minimize those false trips to labor and delivery is to be sure that you're actually in labor. So here's some important things to keep in mind. We've already kind of talked a little bit about this, but I'll give them to you straight, you know, straightforward. Number one, no one to go. Talked about that, the 411, and also relying more so on your pain level and your gut. Number two, check in with your provider first. Yes, always a good idea. Call your provider, call that hotline, not hotline, call that um, on-call provider, whatever number they give you, unless you feel like your delivery is imminent, right? Because sometimes that can truly avoid even a visit. Maybe you have something going on, your provider's able to triage it on the phone and say, you know what, don't even head in yet, just wait a little bit longer. And then number three, birth education, yeah. That's why you're listening to this episode, I know. Um, But I cannot stress the importance of birth education, knowing what's going on with your body during pregnancy, during labor can really help you differentiate between what's normal and what's not so normal. And that in and of itself really can save you a false trip to L&D. Just remember though, at the end of the day, getting sent home from L&D is not the end of the world. It's something that happens all the time and it's totally fine. We would much rather you come to the hospital for evaluation than for you to sit home and just worry and wonder and just, I don't know what to do. Okay, we're here. Like I said, we're open 24-7. Okay, so what if you're on the the other side and, and we're like, okay, you're in labor. We're admitting you. What does that look like? Now, if delivery is imminent, aka you come in, I see a head coming out of you. We're not going to do too much except catch your baby. And then we're going to do some stuff after we catch your baby. But even if your delivery is imminent, let's say we check you and you're like nine and a half centimeters, you've had a baby before, we're going to try and get some of this stuff done, but it's going to be the abridged version. And these next steps that I'm going to talk about might vary based on your place of delivery. But generally, once it's determined that you're in labor, you are going to get an IV, you're going to get your blood drawn, you're going to get settled into a different labor and delivery room. Although if you have like sometimes smaller hospitals, they don't even have like a triage area. They just kind of triage their patients in labor rooms. And then if you are in labor, you just stay there. And if not, they discharge you from that room. And then finally, we would discuss your birth plan. Yes. If you have a written one, great. If not, we're going to ask you some questions to kind of determine what would be on your birth plan and what you you envision this process to look like so we can best support you. Now, when else might you be admitted to labor and delivery? If you come in, you're not complaining of labor. Labor is one of the biggest reasons for admission, but there are some things that you might get admitted for as well. The hospital that I particularly work for has something called an antepartum unit. 
And on this unit, we have women who come in who have some kind of issue that's complicating their pregnancy, high blood pressure, preterm labor, they've broken their water really early, something like that. And sometimes moms are there for less than a day. Sometimes moms are there for several months. It just kind of depends on what's going on. I'd say one of the most common reasons is something called P-PROM, which I referenced already, but it's where you break your water uh, before your term. Preterm premature rupture of membranes, P-PROM. And depending on your gestational age and whether or not you're like actively laboring, the goal might be to keep you pregnant until a certain gestational age. If you are like 34 to 35 weeks or less, you can expect to be admitted to the hospital for some close monitoring until your baby is born. And that might be within that day, or that might be, you know, still a few weeks. While you're in the hospital, we're going to monitor your baby. We're going to watch your vital signs, monitor for any signs of infections, or obviously if you go into labor. But infection is that big one because with PPROM, we don't want our moms to be getting infected because now that their waters are broken, they are at a little bit higher risk of infection. If you are more than 34, 35 weeks-ish and your water breaks, your provider will likely recommend to augment your labor if it hasn't started on your own. So augment means like we kind of want to give it a little, a little push, Pitocin, get a fully bulb, stuff like that. Depending on your gestational age too, you might receive something called a steroid injection to help your baby's lungs mature. You'll probably receive antibiotics for infection prevention, right? Talked about that. And you might receive some medications to slow down or stop your labor if you're having active contractions as well. Sometimes we have moms come in and their water broke and nothing else is going on. They're just leaking. Sometimes we have moms come in and their water's broken and they're also having contractions. Another very common reason why moms would come in and be admitted to that antepartum unit is something called preeclampsia or just having, you know, gestational hypertension, elevated blood pressure during pregnancy. Sometimes preeclampsia is severe enough that immediate delivery is recommended regardless of your gestational age. You know, a lot of factors at play, but I would say more times than not, it doesn't warrant delivery and it's more of a watch and wait. We're going to watch and wait what's happening. So we're going to admit you to antepartum. Milder cases can usually be monitored with outpatient care. We'll just have you come into the office more frequently, check your blood pressure, check your urine. But if your case is pretty severe, you will probably be admitted to the hospital for a little bit closer monitoring. Frequent blood pressure checks, monitoring your baby, lab work, that sort of thing. Another thing moms come in for is vaginal bleeding. Yes, bleeding, like we all know, at any point during pregnancy can be really, really scary. And our human instinct is to assume the worst. Oh my God, something's horrible is happening. That's the feeling that I had when I was bleeding during Walter's pregnancy. I'm not going to go over all the instances where you could have bleeding during pregnancy, right? Because there's, there's a lot of different reasons. But obviously, some are more concerning than others, and some would warrant a hospital stay. We definitely have moms come in stay in antepartum because they're having vaginal bleeding. And we just want to make sure everything's going okay, keep them in-house, right? And then finally, one of the more common reasons to be on that antepartum unit is uncontrolled diabetes. If you have diabetes, which is 
somewhat common during pregnancy. And you just, you know, despite all odds, right, you're trying to control your gestational diabetes at home, but you can't, your provider might recommend a hospital mission to help get things back on track. And that's it. I hope that was helpful and you have a much better understanding of exactly what we're looking for, the process that will happen when you come into the hospital. Next week on the Mommy Learners podcast is another solo episode by yours truly. I'm going to be talking about nausea and vomiting during labor, specifically vomiting during labor. So that's going to be a fun episode. But also I gave a trigger warning at the beginning of the intro. But again, if you're in it and stuff can trigger your nausea, maybe skip next week's episode. But that's the topic we're going to be talking about throwing up. I'm not going to throw up on the podcast, hopefully not. But yeah, that's what's going on next week. So I will see you guys same time, same place next week. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth and newborn life? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth, no matter how you deliver.